1: Hello, and welcome to Run Your Money. Today on the show, we're talking about three smart ways to budget your money. I'm Veronica Grant, your host and personal finance consultant. Let's dive in. Okay, I am talking about today budgeting, and budgeting is, I have such a soft spot in my heart for budgeting. But I think a lot of people, when they hear the word budget, just begin to cringe and anxiety starts racing through their veins and all sorts of other bad things start happening. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's not. Just notice what you feel when I said the word budget. But here's why I think a lot of people don't like budgeting and it gets kind of a bad reputation. There's a lot of hashtags and accounts on the Internet about being a budget mom or travel on a budget or cooking on a budget or home decor on a budget, all of that implies that we're going to help you do whatever this thing is as cheaply as possible. And so then when people think about having their own budget with their money, I think a couple of misconceptions can happen. One is there's just resentment because like, oh, I'm not rich enough to where I don't have to budget. I have to budget because I don't have as much money as XYZ person. I think another way that budgets get a bad reputation is when people hear the word budget, they just automatically think constriction and confinement, and they want to feel more free with their money, perhaps abundant with their money, and a budget seems to just be a damper on all of those things. I actually believe the complete opposite. Before we get to the three budgets that I want to teach you today, I want to first convince you why a budget is so wonderful if you aren't already on board or if you need some maybe some motivation to be better with your budget so the first reason is instead of a budget being constricting and constraining i actually think a budget gives you freedom and releases guilt about current spending i have talked about on the podcast before and i'm sure i will talk about it 10 million more times where I had a lot of guilt about spending any money that was outside of my needs. I was always concerned about, can I afford this? Will I have any money? Am I going to spend all my money? Will I be able to save? Will I be able to invest? And the moment that I started to embrace a really strong thought out budget was actually the moment that I felt most free and the least guilt around spending. Here's why. I have struggled with the scarcity mindset on and off for the majority of my adult financial life, regardless of whatever was actually in my bank account. I always felt like I couldn't afford this or I shouldn't buy this for whatever myriad of reasons. But when I had a budget and I knew exactly where every dollar was going and that I did have $100 or whatever it was to book that massage, I could actually show up to that massage and enjoy my time and really get the most out of it rather than feeling guilty about being there or spending the money. Because I was budgeting, I knew that I could still easily afford this $100 massage while also having money left over for saving for whatever other goals I had, paying my bills, and then of course money for investing for later on. The second thing that a budget can help you do is it can help you better strategize on bigger purchases that you normally wouldn't be able to buy with your monthly income. So let's say your monthly income after taxes is $6,000. I'm just making a number up. But you really want to buy a couch that costs $2,000. Now, depending on your cost of living, you might be able to afford that out of your budget and that's fine but you might also not be able to afford an additional $2,000 to your budget if you are already allocating that money to other savings, investing, or just normal things that you need to buy every month. So when you're living by a budget, then you can better strategize how to make that $2,000 purchase happen through just a little bit of planning. And then the third thing that I think is great about having a budget is when you are on a budget, not like in a cheap kind of way, but when you are tracking your money, knowing where it goes, then you're probably also looking at your bank account more. You're looking at spreadsheets and growth and all of that kind of stuff. And I really do think that when you track things that they tend to grow. This is, I don't even know who initially like created this mantra, but like what you focus on grows or what you track grows. That's kind of like from the law of attraction, manifestation, kind of airy-fairy kind of space, which I don't love. But I do think there is some truth to that, right? Like if you're not really tracking your retirement savings or just regular savings or whatever, then I don't know. I mean, if you have an automated transfer, sure, I'm, I'm sure to some extent it's growing. But I do think there is something to seeing the number on your spreadsheet every month and watching that number grow feels exciting. It feels encouraging. And I think you're more likely to do things to help that growth, which is why what you focus on grows tends to be true more often than not. So I hope I've convinced you to at least entertain the idea of budgeting. I think the other thing that will help is I'm going to go over a few different ways that you can budget. And I'm just gonna tell you a caveat. I'm going to give you some pros and cons to each of these three budgeting methods. But I am very strongly biased towards the last one. So I am going to spend the most time on that because whatever, I'm biased. I'm admitting it. So I don't even have to apologize for it. I just think it's the best. Maybe it's my accounting brain. I have no idea. But it's my personal favorite. And I think it has really helped me to catapult myself financially, especially in my younger adult life when I didn't really make like a ton of money. I just made like fine money. But I was really able to maximize and optimize it the most possible because I was so diligent about where every single penny went. Okay, so I'm giving my personal preferred method of budgeting away. Let's start with the first one. First one is the envelope method. You probably have heard this before. Dave Ramsey has popularized it. He did not make up the envelope method. I don't like Dave Ramsey. I'll probably have to do an episode on him and why I need to de Ramseyify everybody from their brain because his stuff is so baked in, you may not even realize it's coming from him. And his advice is just terrible. I said what I said. So, the envelope method works where you basically pay the bills that you have to pay that are recurring. So, you have like your mortgage or rent, you have your utilities, car insurance, car payment, whatever it is that you have. Those are your needs, those are recurring, and they're pretty much fixed. They're, there's not really a lot of fluctuation from month to month, year to year. And then You take all of the expenses that you have outside of those fixed monthly expenses and you allocate a different amount of cash into those different categories and you literally keep the money in envelopes. The benefit of this is that if you do have a tendency to overspend, then the idea is that once the cash is gone out of the envelope, that's done until the first of the next month or whatever your budgeting period is. I am not really a fan of this for a lot of reasons. However, I do just want to say this. I've been connecting with a ton of people on TikTok, which has been so much fun for me. I'm having a lot of fun there. So if you're not following me there, I'm Veronica E. Grant. I post once or twice a day and the comment sections are just so fun. I'm really helping people out there, asking great questions. And I'm learning a lot too because I've always been good with money. So it's very interesting for me to understand the questions and the struggles that people have so that I can better help you. Anyways, i want on a tangent for a second. So what I have been told by people on TikTok is people with either diagnosed ADHD or think they might have ADHD say that the envelope method is really helpful for them. And it's the only way that they're able to stay on a budget and not overspend their money or go into credit card debt. I don't have ADHD, at least not that I'm aware of. I am not a psychologist or anything like that, so I'm not going to really go into that much more. I just want to leave that here on the table for you to know in case you do have ADHD and you have struggled with budgeting that this might be a method you want to try, even though it's not my personal preferred method. It might be right for you just depending on how your brain operates. Some of the major cons though are you miss out on credit card use. And hopefully if you are doing the envelope method, you have put your fixed recurring expenses or at least as many as you can on a credit card. You typically can't put your mortgage or your rent payment or a car payment on a credit card, but hopefully at least you're putting like Netflix and your utility bills on a credit card because that's how you build credit. I'm not saying you should go into debt using your credit card. You absolutely should not if you can avoid it. But it is an important way to build credit so that when you do need to take a loan out to purchase a home or a car, you can get a great interest rate. And that is by far the number one way to save hundreds, if not many, many, many thousands of dollars. So when you aren't using your credit card for your groceries and going out and gas or whatever, you are missing out on billing credit. You are missing out on hopefully you have a good credit card or would have a good credit card hypothetically that's giving you great cash back and miles. So you're missing out on all of that. And a lot of times credit card companies will actually go to bat for you. What I mean by that is let's say you buy something and it's not As advertised or it came broken and the merchant that you bought this thing from is not giving you your money back or is non-responsive, credit cards will often give you your money back and will go to bat for you. They have a whole team dedicated to that kind of work. Not to mention when you purchase things, certain things from a credit card, you will get warranties or insurance. Now, this is not universal. You do need to look at your credit card and see if your credit card offers these perks. But many credit cards will offer car insurance if you are renting a car, and many will also offer warranties when you're buying electronics like phones, TVs, computers, etc. Again, you want to check your credit card, but many of them do offer this. Obviously, when you use cash you're not going to get this. And then debit cards will offer some of these protections, but you're not going to get miles, cash back, things like that. The other thing is we keep a few hundred dollars in our house, you know, at any given time, mostly because we have cleaners that come twice a month and we pay them in cash. But other than that, we don't really keep a lot of cash. And I swear, once we start having like more than a few hundred dollars in cash, I start to get a little nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, what if someone steals it? Or what if we lose it? Or what if the house burns down or whatever? And it's a few hundred dollars. It's not the end of the world necessarily. So having that much cash, many hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, depending on your overall household budget, using the envelope method is a little bonkers to me. And it just feels unnecessarily risky. And in fact, I made a video about this on TikTok and someone commented that her and her husband were using the envelope method per Dave Ramsey's advice, but they stopped once her husband lost his wallet that had like $2,000. It was a lot of money. I felt really bad. I'm like, yes, that's a great example of why using mostly cash or only cash is generally not a great idea. On a personal note, and this is kind of funny, I've always been saying this. So my husband makes money. Ha ha ha. What I mean by that is my husband works for the U.S. Mint. So he he actually technically makes coins. And then when we first started dating, he worked for the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, which is the facility that actually does print U.S. currency, the dollar bills. And the first time that I was introducing my husband to my dad when we were dating I said, don't worry, dad, he makes money, which I thought was just the funniest joke in the world. Anyways, my point in saying all of this is that if for some reason producing cash or coins got so low, that would basically put my husband out of work and he would be forced into an early retirement, which would be great for me. So I'm secretly like on this mission to get people to stop using their cash and coins so that my husband would be forced into early retirement. Don't worry. That's not really going to happen. I just like to joke that that is what I would like to see. One more thing about the envelope method is that if you do like the idea of like once the cash is gone, it's gone. I know that there are apps that will help you to track this. I don't have any to recommend because again, I don't budget this way. I don't love the idea of budgeting this way. But again, if it is how your brain works and it's what you need, there are apps if you want to digitize this. So this will reduce the need for having cash on hand, but I don't know how well it'll still help prevent compulsive or overspending if it's all just tracking whatever on your debit or credit card anyways. Okay, so that is the envelope method. The next method is the 50-30-20 method. And I don't think this method is terrible. Again, it's not my personal preference. And the idea is that you're taking home, again, I'm going to say $5,000 a month. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say $10,000 because I just want a nice round number that I can easily do math with. Let's say your take-home pay, so this is after taxes, after insurance, after 401k deductions, et cetera, your take-home pay is $10,000. 50% of that would go towards your needs. That would include rent or mortgage, HOA, gas, any car payments, insurance, groceries, things like that. And then 30%. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for.
0: But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
1: would go towards once. So this would be clothing beyond the necessities. This would include going out to eat, uh, little excursions, going to concerts, things like that. And then 20% goes towards saving and investing. The reason why I like this is because I do think it's a really great starting point to think about How do I want to use money now to enjoy my life while also saving and investing for my future? Because there is that investing piece of the puzzle, which the envelope method does not really have. It's just kind of implied, like, yeah, I should probably be investing, but it's not really part of the envelope method itself. And so I do think that saving or investing can get overlooked in the envelope method. So I like that the 50, 30, 20 budgeting method helps you make sure that you're incorporating long-term goals while also balancing short-term wants and just enjoying life right now here are a few things that i think this budget lacks if you're making $10,000 a month and let's say you're making a lot more than that you don't need to spend 50% of your budget on needs the nice thing is the more money you make you don't actually need to spend 50% of it on your lifestyle. And in fact, I would say that is how a lot of people never actually build wealth is that they start making a lot of money, they get raises every year, but they just end up upgrading their lifestyle without balancing saving and investing more. And what that actually can do is it can push off being financially independent slash retiring. Because think about it. Let's say you make $50,000 $50,000 and then you get a raise to $60,000 and then you're living as if you make 60000 and you keep getting a raise every year or so until you're like at $150,000 a year but you are living again as if you make $150,000 and if this whole time you've only been saving or investing 20% you've actually just pushed off retirement because you're used to now a lifestyle that costs $150,000 a year And it's going to take you a lot longer to save and invest enough to be able to fund a similar lifestyle in retirement. Does that make sense? And so as you make more money, these percentages need to change. You need to be spending probably a lot less than 50% on your needs. And you can afford to do this when you're making a lot of money, right? Like if you're making $50,000 a year, spending only 50% on needs might actually be fairly tough. If you're making $200,000 a year, you don't need to be spending $100,000 on your needs, right? Because you're going to be saving for a long, long, long time before you can afford your lifestyle to retire on. So this 50-30-20 budget really just works at a moment in time because regardless of how much money you make right now, this constantly needs to be shifting the more money you make. Your needs and your wants need to be going down a little bit, where your savings and investing percentage needs to go up so that you can keep retirement and or financial independence on track. Now, you might be thinking, wait, what? I have to spend less money the more money I make? No, you're still spending more money. You still have more overall money, but it's the percentage of your budget that needs to go down as your income goes up. So I think because of that, this 50-30-20 rule is just difficult because if someone's teaching it, that might not really be true for all income levels. And no matter the income level, it needs to change as income goes up. The other thing is that I have tried this budget and my brain begins to go in circles because, listen, obviously clothes are a need. You need clothing, right? You need warm clothes jackets, you need underwear, things like that. Groceries are a need. You need to put food on the table. But is buying a $400 pair of shoes a need, even though it's technically clothing? No, that gets into the wants. And then same thing with the groceries. At what point does the groceries that you're buying, are they is that a need or is it becoming a want because you're buying, I don't know, a $50 steak? So it just starts to get like really messy in my brain when I try to wrap my mind around it. It also gets messy on the spreadsheet and budgeting apps. I just I don't really like this method. But again, I do think it's a good place to start. And sometimes even just to check in with yourself to ask yourself, okay, am I saving enough? Am I investing enough? And the other thing that I will just say that I that I don't like about this budget is that it leaves 20% for savings and investing. When you're investing, you are saving, right? You are saving for your kid's education or your retirement or to retire early, whatever you're saving for. But it just happens to be an investment account because it's many years away. Fine. But then savings, it's like, okay, again, is this savings or is this really included in the once category? Like if I'm saving to go up on a vacation, sure, I'm saving, but isn't this really a want? And then again, I think it starts messing with the percentages. And if people are saving 20%, that's really great. But if they're saving for things like a vacation or a house down payment, they might be misinformed about what they really need to be doing with that 20%, which is investing so that they have a nested children's education fund, retirement fund, all that kind of stuff. So now we are getting to the third budget. And look, I'm biased. I'm not going to lie. I think this is the best It's my preference for definitely my own money. And I think it's a great way to budget your money as well. And this is called zero-based budgeting. Zero-based budgeting has been popularized in personal finance, and it actually is an accounting method. So it comes from accounting. What it means is every expenditure has a purpose. So I have colloquially called this giving every penny a purpose. And I think zero-based budgeting gets a bad reputation, kind of for the same reason that budgeting as a whole gets a bad reputation and that it's very constricting. When I talk about how I'm very particular about where I spend or don't spend my money, I think a lot of times people think, oh, she's being cheap. And look, when you start getting really good with money and really comfortable with your money of what you do want to spend money on versus where you don't want to spend money on, a lot of people who haven't done their own money work tell you that you're being cheap if you don't want to spend money on something. And it's like, no, you're not being cheap. You're just being intentional. What this allows you to do better than any other budgeting system that I've seen is it allows you to optimize your money to the greatest extent. When I got my first job, it was at a law firm in Charleston, South Carolina. And my base pay was $45,000. And then there was overtime and bonuses. And I think probably when it was all said and done, I was making about 60, 65,000 or so a year. And now, look, depending on where you are, that might be a lot of money, might not be. Also, it was 15 years ago. So remember inflation. But it was pretty good. It was good money. It wasn't like, oh my God, like this is life-changing money, but it was good money for living in Charleston, South Carolina, which at least at the time was a relatively inexpensive place to live. Taxes are low. There were no city taxes. I also had no kids. I wasn't married, no pets. So my overall, like the biggest expense that I had was that student loan bill hanging over my head. I stayed at that job for two years. And during those two years, I paid off about half my student loans. I... Funded my emergency fund. I maxed my 401k. I maxed my Roth every year. I started doing some taxable investing and I went on a trip to Brazil for two weeks, went to Boston. And I also went out with my friends and I had fun. I enjoyed my life. And I truly believe the reason why I was able to do so much with not like the most amount of money in the world is because I was so intentional as to where my money went, where every single dollar went. Now, that did not mean I was pinching pennies. Zero-based budgeting is not pinching pennies. It's being very intentional where your pennies go so that you can enjoy getting your massage if that's your thing or going on yoga retreats if that's your thing or buying really expensive shoes if that's your thing. Because you know that you're not going to spend money on other things. So, I've never been one to spend a lot of money on clothes. I'm still not like that. I'm probably never going to go to a concert. Like, I know everyone was like raving about Beyonce and Taylor Swift. And look, I love those ladies. I'm not going to go to your concert. I'm sorry. I'm way too introverted for that, first of all. But also, I just don't want to spend the money. I would rather spend the money elsewhere. So, I think zero based budgeting is for people who want to be intentional with how you spend your money. I'll just tell you one more fun thing about zero-based budgeting. I love when I pay my bills. I just had to laugh because I'm like, "Who's who says that? But even when it's like the boring bills, like your cell phone bill or like your electric bill, like who likes paying that shit? But when it's a piece of the puzzle of my overall life, it just feels satisfying when I see that expense go through and then I can mark it down. Is it as much fun as paying $100 to go to that massage or whatever it is. No, but it's just another piece of that puzzle. And so when that transaction goes through every month and I can mark it down, it's like, oh, you know, there's that last piece of the puzzle to conclude this month of budgeting. I just love it. I really do. I'm actually working on a spreadsheet with my husband to do this because I haven't really seen an app or a spreadsheet. A lot of spreadsheets will use more of like the envelope method or 50-30-20 method. And I really like the zero-based budgeting method. And so my husband and I are working on a spreadsheet to help you plan your expenses, plan big expenses, your monthly expenses, see how long it is until you can retire slash are financially independent. If you did my run your money workshop, or if you worked with the one-on-one, you have seen a very primitive, very primitive version of this, but we are working on it. Well, here's what's really happening. I'm telling my husband what to do and he's the spreadsheet wizard. So he is creating some really cool calculations. So you'll be able to see some cool things with your money. We're hoping to have this spreadsheet to you by December so you can start using it in January because it'll be a yearly spreadsheet. We'll have all the months of the year all that kind of stuff. So make sure you're subscribed to my loot newsletter if you want to get in on that because I'm going to give my newsletter folks a little discounty. You can get on my newsletter, monicagrant.com forward slash newsletter, by the way. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Just letting you know that that is on the horizon. And I think, you know, I will admit, I do think that a con to zero-based budgeting is that some people get overwhelmed with budgeting down to the last penny. And I hear that. I do think the spreadsheet that my husband and I are creating will help with that because it'll just be very visual and like putting a puzzle together, the puzzle of your budget. And I think it'll hopefully gamify it a little bit if you feel like you just get overwhelmed with budgeting down to the last penny. And if not, I think you can still think about spending buckets. So rather than, okay, I spend $50 a month at coffee shops and $100 a month going out to dinner, because those are similar categories. You can instead just, this is my social budget. When I'm not eating in the house, whether it's a coffee shop or grabbing a quick bite or going out to with my friends, that's $300. It doesn't matter exactly the location or the type of place. It's just $300 on food a month outside of eating out of the house, basically outside of your grocery budget. You can make it broader like that so that you're not like itemizing like coffee shops, going to lunch, going out to eat, and then going to drinks and alcohol and bars kind of, you can just make it all one big thing that's called your social budget or whatever. So it is flexible in that way. All right, if you want me to help you put your budget together, because again, my brain does think like this, and if you're like, I love the idea of zero-based budgeting, but I can't do it myself, my brain doesn't think like that, or you just want to check to make sure that you are optimizing spending now while also saving for retirement and medium term goals, this is what I do with my clients one-on-one. And I do that in two main ways. The first way is the Run Your Money Roadmap. And this is a six-week program. We work together. We meet five sessions over six weeks. It's a top-to-bottom money makeover. So we start with your mindset and relationship to money. Then we look at spending, we optimize that. We look at the credit cards that you're using and make sure that those are optimized for how you're spending. Then we look at savings and optimizing your savings accounts and your saving goals and, and looking at your sunken accounts. And then we look at investing and making sure that you are on track for retiring or whatever your long-term money goals are. And then of course we will address any debt if you have. So if you're like, okay, I finally have money, but I don't really know what to do with it or how to optimize it, I'm your gal. So you can learn more about working with me at veronicagrant.com forward slash work with me. And if you just really want to look at one part of your money, whether it's like you're investing or debt and have a plan to get rid of it, then you can book a one-time run your money session and you go to the same link, veronicagrant.com forward slash work with me. All right. I am... Wrapping up this episode, I will be back on Friday with a new episode about how to buy expensive things. And I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Your Money show. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a new episode. And hey, before you leave, can you do me a quick favor? Please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. It takes just a few seconds for you, and it helps me enormously to get this show out in front of more women just like you. Thank you so much. You can find show notes, transcripts, free resources, and info on how to work with me at veronicagrant.com. See you next episode.